It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. 26 and 29, the Philadelphia Phillies are at game 55, headed into this weekend's matchup versus the Nationals. And as I like to say, 55 games, almost guaranteed to win. So 55, 55, what do you do with the last 50? We're at that point right now where we have the first of the 55, and it hasn't been great. So let's talk to Larry Boa. What would he do with this team right now? Right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. In the air to left field. Going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home. Ball there coming, coming down. down. What up? And welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. It's been a little bit. Sorry about that, but guess what? Life goes on, and so does the Phillies, and their schedule is being rained out just the other day in Cincinnati after a 17-run output, outpouring everything you could possibly say about that offense. It was fantastic. So is that going to be the norm? No, probably not. We haven't seen the consistency enough from this team, uh, offensively, defensively, and by pitching. So at, at some point, things will start to click, but it could get away from you. So I thought, let's talk to Mr. Fundamental himself, guy that can get on you when you need, just a tad, Larry Boa, the great Larry Boa, Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies finest. What's up, dude? <laughs> hey, Kev, how's it going? Uh, I listen to you guys, and uh, you guys you and uh, Kev do a great job, and uh, we need more wins, though. We got to start winning some games. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a struggle, and it there's certain things that... <laughs> I've been looking it up. Why are we so bad on the road? You know, and and eleven and nineteen is not good. Um, that's not good. That's not good. that's not a playoff team, right there. Um, no, you know, I think the one thing, Kev, is, is is routine, and obviously, obviously, you know, everybody has to go through it. But the COVID, uh, from what I understand, I'm not a hundred percent on this, but we are not at eighty five percent vaccine. So no, we're not close. It seems our, like our. Our protocol is still going to be tough, and, and you know when you're at home, it's it's tough. But it's you're, you're living in and sleeping in your own bed. You get to see your family. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. And again, everybody has their own priorities. Why they get the the vaccination or why they don't get it, and you know that's up to the individual. But I would assume that if we had eighty five percent, maybe the protocol would lessen a bit on the road. But I'm not a hundred percent on that. Yeah, I think it would. I think it would. Um, I, look, the things on the road that have, have bothered me after looking at them, we've given up. So there's been 254 innings that we've played on the road. The opposing team has scored multiple runs in 40 of them. Wow. And we've only done it 24 times. And and I find that to be like the crooked inning is is always what you're looking for. You're looking for the big inning. And, and, and you know, whether it's walks or, you know, just giving up hits and not right. on, on the offensive side, I think we it goes down to fundamental baseball. And it's to your point, right? I mean, like the, the protocols no are not question. being out there. 
There's no question. And, and you know, Kev, I've, I've watched every inning of every game, whether I go to the uh, at Citizens Bank when we're home and then on the road, I watch them. But to me, uh, and, and nothing against scorekeepers or anything, you know, we get errors. Uh, we, we get non-errors, I should say, that should be errors. So what you do is you extend innings. And people might look in the box score the next day and say, oh, the Phillies didn't make any errors, and the other team scored eight runs. Well, there's three plays that probably should have been errors that you're out of innings, and the eight turns to a two or a three. So people aren't aware of that. Uh, I, I do know one thing that I was watching another game. There was a ground ball, literally, Kev, that went right through the shortstop's leg. I, I'm talking about split him in half. And uh, the announcer said, well, that should be an E6. And they put up base hit. And the the reason being, it had a 95% exit velocity. So I guess if you square it up, it doesn't matter if you hit it through his legs, off his glove, or whatever. Uh, the majority of the time, you're going to get a hit on that ball. Look, if it's 120 off the bat of Giancarlo, totally understand. I totally right. get it. You know that that there's that's that's just a different world. But ninety five, come on! I mean, like that's a hard, that's just a normal. Hey, good, you made good contact on that. Exactly, that's an out. Exactly, an out and, and and you know until we until we start making these plays that we should be making, what we're doing is we're putting our pitchers in harm's way. Not only are they not going real deep, although I will say our three guys at oh, top yeah. have been doing pretty good. Yep. But what happens is your pitch count goes up drastically. You know, one little play can make a 14-pitch inning into a 28-pitch inning that you didn't make. And and it's not from lack of effort. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know uh, Bomers, to me, is very hard worker. This kid, he, he might be trying too hard. Mm-hmm. And, and he goes out there every day, gets his ground balls, does his routine, takes his BP, and things just aren't working out for him right now. But I still believe in this kid, especially offensively. And I think he will put it together. Maybe this last game, you can breathe a little bit, getting three hits in the big blowout game against Cincinnati. But I expect uh, Bomber to start picking it up a little bit and and uh, helping our offense out tremendously. The the one thing about him that actually stood out more was the plays that he made uh, in the field against Cincinnati in that game. It, it started in the first inning. Castellanos hit a bullet down the the, the third base line. And he might have reached for it, might not have gone that one extra step that you and I have always talked about uh, to get to as a third baseman. But he got his feet under him and he got his momentum going towards first base in a, in a good rhythm. And then he started two great double plays, staying low, coming out of his out of his stance low and, and firing a bullet to second base. I thought uh, defensively he was fantastic in 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 that game, and I, I don't know if that had anything to do. You know, at the plate because he he did it before he hit. <laughs> right, right. So you know, I think I think Kip. You know, uh, it was a great all around game for him. There's no question about that. And, and you and I have talked about this when we, we did infield drills. Mm-hmm. When you're a big dude like him, you have a tendency never to use your legs. You know, you bend at the waist, and it's hard for big guys to get down there. But I noticed, as you said, on those double plays, he got he used his legs. He got down in there with it. And uh, he's constantly got to remind himself, you know, there's not a lot of six foot five guys playing third base. <laughs> and, and, and when you're playing the infield, as you well know, you got to get your nose down in there yep. and do that. You got to bend at the knees, not at the waist. And because he's a big guy, you know, it's been problematic for him. But I think that the hard work that he puts in, I never think that he's going to be a gold glove third baseman, but he'll be the first to tell you he's better than what he has shown up till now. 
And I think we're going to see a lot of improvement, both offensively and defensively from him, because I, I really believe you do get rewarded for, for pregame and, and working hard and working extra. And this kid does a lot of that. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And, and the grind is real and we've all been there. I've been there and, and I'm glad you brought it up because I mean, we spent all of 14 spring training working on just being in my legs. It's a first, and I told you literally the first time in my life that anybody had talked about, it wasn't about my, I could pick it. I, I my hands were great, but right. it was about getting myself in a position to get my arm over the top, but using that, uh, you know, not losing my legs. If I lost my legs, that ball moved everywhere. And I remember no just every day, you and I, it, it wasn't like one of those where you had to come and get me. It was like, I want, I'm feeling, you know, better doing this. Right. What is and it? I, and I think that's, that's the key. The, yeah. the players got to want to do it. Yeah. And like you said, I could, well, I could go out there and, and, and get three guys say, okay, come on, let's go. We're going to work extra. And if they don't want to do it or they're really not into it, it's not going to work. But, yeah. but the fact that you, you actually came to me and Bomer did it in spring training and I'm sure he does it now. But, uh, and the other thing, as you well know, feeling you go into feeling slumps just like oh. you go into hitting slumps man oh, yeah. there comes a time where you'll say god i don't want that ball hit to me or or I'm, i don't feel comfortable out here the infield's a little rough and, and so people don't understand that it's not just offense you go into a slump you can go both ways and when neither's working it's a grind to go out there believe me i, I read a quote from him. he said where we were all able to take a deep breath this last game because even if you made an error whoever makes an error it's not going to uh, mm-hmm. it's not going to turn into a l for the ball club because there's a uh, room for error because of the runs we scored so it, it makes everybody's life a little bit easier when you score a lot of runs obviously we're Absolutely. not going to score that many runs every game <laughs> but if we get a 4 or 5 run lead and jump out i think it's going to relieve a lot of anxiety for everybody and, and I don't want to – this is not crushing both of us, but we're not tall. Like, I mean, we're tall as right. far as the average American, but, I mean, like, when it comes to a baseball world, we're not tall. How, for you, do you relate it for Alec Bohm, right? I mean, as far as being in your legs, playing low, when it's – you know, we can't talk about being 6'5". We don't know what it's like. Right. How do you do that with him? Well, you try to you try to make it important to him that – to me, the, the, the easiest thing to do when you're first coming up is I have one saying that I've used my whole career. Respect every ground ball. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how small you are. If it's a two-hopper, pretend like it's a bullet hit to you. Never take anything for granted. And what he's got to do is remind himself, every pitch, in between every pitch, get down, use your legs, get down, use your legs. You know, when you're out in the field, you go over every scenario. Who's running? What's the score? Who's on first? Ah, do we? Uh, do we? It, it, I mean, it's mentally, it's it's mentally a grind. Yeah. And I try to tell our infielders, if you never get a ground ball the whole game, and say you had a bad day at the plate and you went 0 for three and struck out three times, you didn't really run at all. But mentally, if you were in every pitch, which normally is 120 pitches, maybe 125, if you're into it mentally as well as physically, you should be dead tired at the end of the game. And you know, when I first say that to some kids, they look at me like I'm crazy. I said. Well, you're backing up bases. You're worried about bunt plays. You're, you, am I playing in the right place? You got, and now these guys got cards on every hitter. They got to check the cards before, before they go out there. So, so it's a complete different uh, ball game as far as mentally being ready to play on every single pitch. And that's hard for some guys to do, especially especially if you're not hitting the ball and you look up there and your average is 203 every time you go to the plate. You know, that wears on you, believe mm-hmm. me. I, I think you and I would agree that, you know, the cards and all that stuff, it's like, whatever, right? Like, the fine, What if you have to have it. 
How important would you think it is to not have those in the lower minor leagues or in the minor leagues at all, based on the fact that uh, you want the guys to start playing the game of baseball? I think it'd be great not to have cards, even at the big league level, because if you look at this charge and everything, but that's another different story. We're paying yep. analytic people a lot of money. But down below, I agree 100% with you. Let them show their athletic ability. Let them learn how to read swings. Let them know if a guy's – you start him out on a pull side and you see he can't catch up to fastballs. You move over on your own. You know, to me, you're, you're taking all the responsibility away from the athlete. You're not letting him use his brain a little bit. And I think especially go as as high as double-A – I would not have a card on those on those players. I, I really wouldn't. I'd let them to read swings and play hitters accordingly, play situations. What's the score? Are we ahead? Are we behind? And that's how you learn how to play the game of baseball. Yeah, I, man, you say it. It's so perfect. It's true. Because I think that's what I fell in love with the game uh, was the instinctual part of it, right? Watching a game, going to, a, you know, for myself, either the, the A's games or the Giants games growing up, and watching those guys and just being amazed at like, wow, how did he do that? Well, it, it the instinctual part, it leads them to that, right? So many times you're leaning a certain way. Did you ever, all your years playing shortstop, uh, did you ever ever feel like you're like a game or, or three games in a row where you were just in between every positioning that you had? You're like, damn it, that's the wrong spot. <laughs> yeah, you do. You mean, you know, I mean, obviously – But again, those are situations, and what you want to do is minimize them because when you play 162 games, you're not going to be in the right place at the right time every single time. And this is a game of percentages. Even the analytic people will tell you that. It is a game of percentages. So if you make the routine play and you get to most of your balls, then uh, you know, you're doing your job. I try to tell these kids, you know what? The great plays during the course of 162 games, you might make 10 or 15 but the routine plays, you're going to make a ton of them. So make sure you execute the routine plays, the ones you're supposed to make. And I think that's what makes this team very frustrating is that we don't execute routine plays. Those plays have got to be made. I've heard you say it on radio. I've heard Crucker say it on TV. That's a play that a big league player should make. And it's not getting on the player. It's telling them whether it's lack of concentration or he didn't get a good first step on the ball. But he's got to concentrate more. And I think concentration has a lot to do with our woes at times. You know, we get behind in the game or pitchers. Here's another avenue, and you can well attest to this. <laughs> you walk two or three guys, it counts three and one, two and oh. You get on your heels, and all of a sudden the guy hits you a bullet. I like those guys that get the ball and throw it. Like the other night, we're playing uh, Miley, Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. I tell you what. Our hitter did what they were supposed to do, but he got the ball and he threw it. Yeah. There was no indecision on his point. And as an infielder, man, you're ready to go. You think that ball's going to be hit to you every time. But when you're out there and a guy's going ball one, ball two, ball three, and then or go the other way, strike one, strike two, strike three, you get no action for two or two and a half innings, and all of a sudden the guy squares one up, and you're just not ready for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Zach Wheeler, right? I mean, we've seen this. Uh, the evolution of him, I think, since he's been a Philly, he's been amazing. Right. He works fast. Um, what's crazy is he doesn't pitch for the strikeout, pitch one, two, or three, right? He gets <laughs> now he gets the two strikes and he's like, okay, I can put him away. But he's not pitching for that. But he works no. so fast. I look back at it. Do you know how many? You know how many times a, a, a player has reached 
base, reach base. I'm not talking errors behind him, but reach base on an error in his uh, now two seasons of uh, of starts. How many? One. Oh Last my gosh. Year. And I in a hundred percent. It's not like he's punching out two hundred and fifty guys a year, right? So right. he's getting guys to put the ball in play, but he's keeping that pace. And it's like, right. I don't understand why people don't under why they, they don't can't get do that. that. They they don't get that infielders in the outfield. You know, you can you can be on your heels a little bit, but in the infield, you got to be ready. I'm telling you, and and you hit the nail right on the head. This guy, if he wanted to, I mean, if he wanted to, he could probably strike out 13 to 15 guys every night. Every night, he's very content on getting a hard sinker on a guy's hands, pitch number one. But as you said, when there's a man on third and less than two outs, and he's got a couple strikes on the hitter. He can get that punch out. But I think in his mind, he really thinks, you know what? Go ahead and put this in, in play. You're not going to square it up. It's going to be either on the end of the bat or it's going to be on the label. So it's, we'll make the routine play here. And I think that basically what's changed him more than anything. I think when he was with the Mets, he definitely tried to strike everybody out. Now he's saying, you know what? I'll take the ground ball to short or I'll take a ground ball to second. And that's why he's been so successful. Plus the fact, I tell you what. Every time I watch him, that glove doesn't move from the catcher. No. He hits that glove every time, whether it's his primary pitches or secondary pitches. This guy's in complete command out there. And looking ahead here, it's always good. I think he's pitching our first game at home. And um, it's good to get out of the gate when you have a guy like your ace going out there the first game of a homestand. Who was it for you when playing shortstop that you love loved playing behind because he worked fast? You know, I mean, was it lefty? Was it? I mean, who? Yeah, who, who it was, was Carlton, it? and and it was Jim Cott. And mm. Jim Cott, we we had a game in an hour and twenty nine minutes out there <laughs> in San Diego, and Randy Jones and Jim Cott hooked up, and it was a three to one game. We lost, and the reason I remember that because there was a country western show that was playing, and Kitty Kitty, we called him Kitty Cat. He came in, he said, "Sorry, I lost the game, guys, but you can all go to the country western." Uh, uh, event tonight. I mean, we were out of there. It was still light out in San Diego. The fastest game I've ever played in my life. But with those two guys pitched, you were ready and you knew you were going to get action. And it, it it relieves everybody. There's no time to think or in in now look at pulling. You wouldn't have time to pull out the card when those two guys yeah. pitched because you, the card would be in your hand and the ball would be going to home plate. So in that in that aspect, the game has changed that way. But you ask any infielder, even now, they want guys to get it, throw it, and throw strikes. Why do you think we don't teach that as far as the pace by or tempo from from pitchers, whether it's from the minor leagues or even in the big leagues? I have no idea because I don't know if the people that are running the analytic part of it, they feel maybe you have to really think about what you're going to do on this certain pitch. And my, my thing is, if, if a pitcher, a good pitcher, knows what his game plan is before you even get out to warm up, you're going to have an idea how you're going to pitch. I think we, we, we don't give these guys enough responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's how you migrate through the minor leagues is let them, let them go to A ball, let them go to double A, let them go to triple A, and they learn as they go. But if you're constantly feeding them the info where they don't have to use their brain at all, they have no idea how to get out of jams. I mean, I, I've seen – I've gone to spring training games – where you've got a young kid out there, and as soon as he walks two guys and a guy makes an error, roll the inning over. Well, the kid's not learning anything right there. Let him learn how to get out of jams. Let him. If you want to do something like that, I would say, especially in inter-squad games, start the inning with the bases loaded and say, okay, now pitch out of this jam, as opposed to doing it the other way. 
go on out there, clean in, and you walk to, okay, roll the inning over. You're not teaching them anything. And the same thing when you when offensively. Put a guy at third base. Do it for if you're having an inter-squad game. Start the inning with a guy at third. Tell the hitter he's got to get him in. Tell the pitcher, hey, you've got to prevent this run from scoring. That's how you learn. You don't, as soon as things go bad, you don't say, roll the inning over. You tell them, let's see, find a way to get out of this inning. Yeah, I, I've always wondered that, especially in minor league spring training, why situations aren't just put there. We do it in college. I remember my college coach, and you and I have talked about this a lot. He was all about the execution. Sam Perrara was all about execution of the fundamentals, whether it was defensively, which we were a top five team every year uh, in, in the entire country. But, you know, we're going to get guys over, get guys in. Um, and defensively, you have to do the same thing. You have to be able to stop it. Hell, how do you do it? You practice and work on it. Why don't they do it? That's what I don't get. Yep. I, I again, I, uh, I've, I've suggested it. Uh, and you know, they, all you can do is suggest it. I said, there's some, there's so many things that we can do. And, and you know, we're eating up when I say we, I don't mean Phillies. I'm talking about baseball, baseball in general. Yeah. You throw the ball 95, 97, that's all I want to see. But what about command? Command is like way down on the list. I'd rather a guy throw 93, 94 with great command than 97 and has no idea where the ball's going. I I don't think, if if you've never played the game, as you well know, the key to a pitcher getting a hitter out is messing up his timing. Mm -hmm. Whether he he wants to get you out front or get you behind. And how many times do you hear, well, he's way out in front of a breaking ball and he's behind on a fastball. That's the whole idea of pitching. And when pitchers learn how to do that on a consistent basis, they will be successful. But when you have a guy like Don Mattingly, who I respect more than anybody right now in Mm -hmm. baseball, especially I I was able to work with him in in L.A. and with the Yankees. And he comes out and he says baseball is unwatchable at times right now. And he explained why the the strikeouts, the lack of uh, a pitcher executing a pitch when he's 0-2 in the count or 1-2 in the count. I mean, he basically came out and said, this game has got to change. And hopefully there's going to be people in New York that listen to guys like Don Mattingly and say, you know what? Here's a guy that, in my opinion, if he didn't hurt his back, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. You've got to start listening to some of these guys that actually have had success as to why this game is not is not allowing everyone to watch it because it's boring at times. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look. They they brought out the stat the other day, like Nolan Ryan's you know twenty five percent strikeout rate for his entire career, which we all know is insane. Well, you got guys that are averaging that you know in the last few years, like hundreds of guys, right? And, and so now it, it's that that guy that used to strike out ten, or the guy that used to strike out five, striking out ten now, and it's like, well, he's Nolan Ryan. You're like, no, he's not. Right. Like we've created these these guys that are not even close to being as good. But guess what? That's where we are in our game. And we don't have uh, a consistent, you know, I, th- I think, approach throughout the game with two strikes. You're, there's a team. I, you know what? There's Jake, a team with you, the Astros that has 18 percent strikeout rate. That's insane today. Insane. Yep. They put it the ball in play. They fight. They do a ton. And guess yep. what? They put up a ton of runs. Yeah, they do. <laughs> And, 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 you know, you hit it around the head. That, and I don't know if it's embarrassing or maybe they just can't do it. When you say two-strike approach, and that doesn't mean to have guys hit like I did, choke up a lot. All you got to do is spread out. Yep. Spread out, wait a little bit longer, let the ball get a little bit deeper. Because, But I think because of the launch angle, as you well know, they start that launch angle so soon 
that they get out there and they can't hold up on breaking balls that bounce five feet in front of home plate because they're cheating to get to the 96, 97 mile an hour fastball. And with that launch angle, it is hard. I mean, it is very hard to get to that ball by your above your waist, uh, you know, uh, by your chest. That's where we're getting a lot of swings and misses. And then once they start cheating to get to that, they're out in front so far, the breaking ball fools them. But we, we've we got to incorporate a two-strike approach. It doesn't matter if you hit home runs or if you hit one home run. You should have a two-strike approach. And it's almost like it's embarrassing to the player. Oh, you want me to spread out and hit the ball to right field. No, I'm, I'm trying to hit those seats in left field. And until that mindset is changed, we're going to have a lot of strikeouts. And as you said, everybody looks like Nolan Ryan right now. And I played baseball a long time. Trust me, they're not like Nolan Ryan. No. But we are making them out to be like Nolan Ryan because of our approach. But what was your two-strike approach? I would spread out more, maybe crouch a little bit more, because I usually started out in a crouch, but I would even get uh, down even more because I used to watch Pete Rose hit and he would get down in there. And I think the big, biggest thing, Kev, when you get into a crouch, what you want to do is you want to stay down in there. You don't want to come up out of your crouch. Then your head moves and everything. But this guy, when I watched him hit, man, his eyes did not move. He stayed in that crouch. And again, we talk about using our legs. You use your legs pitching. You use your legs hitting. You use your legs in the infield. If you don't have a good base in any parts of the game of baseball, you're going to have a lot of problems playing the game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, what about uh, – so for me, it was I, – I, I would go from down at the bottom of the – not. A, I would never wrap my hand around the knob ever. I was at the bottom of the knob, right, a, a, as far right. as the handle. Uh, when I got the two strikes, I put two fingers underneath that hand, and that was my choke okay. up. And right. if, if I was really comfortable against the lefty, it would be one finger uh, underneath. It okay. just depended. Yeah. But I would my, – my whole approach literally was out to in. Like if I was gonna punch out looking, I was not looking away. Like right. I was gonna get, they'd have to beat me in. Did you have an, a, a similar approach I, as far as where where you looked, or was it just I, I up wanted and down? To, I, I want what I wanted to do is I wanted to protect the, the outer half, mm-hmm. but but I also knew that I had to be quick if the ball came center in, because you know what, most pitchers, especially now, especially now, most strikeouts are center away. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. And you know what? And guys don't – I'm not saying they don't pitch in. I don't think they know how to pitch in, and they're hitting guys in the head. They're hitting them in their, in, in their uh, ribs. And I don't think they're being taught how to pitch inside. So now the majority of the time, if you watch a game and a guy comes way inside, you can almost book the next three pitches are going to be center away. And if you're watching the game, if you're watching it on the bench and you're not playing that night, which I know you did because I you had your helmet on in the third <laughs> inning – and, and we, we, we wouldn't use you till the eighth or ninth, but you'd be ready to hit in the third inning. But these guys, instead of talking on the bench, watch how they try to dissect hitters' swings. You can learn a lot. But I always tried to protect the outer half with two strikes and just react in. Mm-hmm. If you have good hand-eye coordination, I'm not saying you're going to square it up, but you can foul it off and keep your bat alive. Oh, especially like with, with the shifts that they're putting on everyone. It's rare oh. that we see the straight up, right? <laughs> And seeing it's Reese a- <laughs> in Cincinnati a couple times go to right, we saw it in, in in Miami. He did it a couple times, and that second baseman started to creep over towards the second base side. Guess what? They're adjusting because he's adjusting, right? And right. And, and he's going to go through stretches. I get that, but he's made it. it I'm not going to say a point, but he's taking what they're giving him, and it's helping. No question. And and and, and you, as you well know, baseball 
people talk and, and uh, that they, uh, they don't have advanced scouts, but they, they do it now on, on video and they see Hoskins hitting ground balls over there, especially with two strikes. They're going to say, Hey, wait a minute, guys, we're going to have to change our philosophy a little bit. And I'll take my hat off to Reese. You know, he's made the adjustment instead of saying, you know, forget that. I'm going to keep trying to roll this over, hit it down the left field line. And he's gotten his average up to close to 270. Mm -hmm. And he's been very productive, especially on this last road trip. If we could get everybody else mindset, Segura does the same yep. thing. You don't see them put three guys on the other side. Segura can handle the bat and hit the ball the other way. JT Riomuto. The more we get more guys doing that, then you're going to start seeing more players on the other team playing the positions the way you're supposed to. But until if we still have those guys trying to pull everything, you're going to continuously see the shift, and then guys are going to come out and come out back to the dugout, break their helmet, say, God, I can't believe the shift. Well, go against the shift, and I guarantee those players will be moving around the other way sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's it's funny because we had going into the the Wade Miley game, we had a thirty percent strikeout rate versus left-handers. I'm going that like, shouldn't happen. No, not. I'm sorry, we're treating them like they're all Randy Johnson, <laughs> right? And I haven't seen one guy that's like Randy Johnson that's a lefty yeah. this year. I, well, you know, most left-handers, they do that little keep it, sink it away. Uh, it's they amazing. do a little cutter in. And I, my favorite line is if those guys were right-handed, they'd be working uh, in, a, in a store somewhere <laughs> in the area. But left-handers get by with it. I don't know why they get by with it, but it's uncanny how a left-hander can throw 92 with a little sink and a little cut and guys roll over or get jammed you know i guess because we haven't faced that many of them but we should be killing left-handed pitchers oh my with our lineup Absolutely. i really believe that no i i 100 agree i'm just like you said something earlier about watching the game and i i just i wonder if they do because i i feel like on air i'm not trying to be you know smart and all of this whole thing be like oh i know what's going like you could as a hitter put yourself in the batter's box and i i've hit lefties well you got to think along the lines of what this guy, the, that particular lefty has and what right. he's showing. And it's like, he's going to, you, you're not guessing. You almost have like, a, you almost know exactly what he's going to go to and when. And I feel like we're way off. Oh, especially, <laughs> especially the data they have now. I mean, 80% of the time when it counts two and one, you're going to get a straight change up from this guy. When well, you know what, it, it, you know, if you're thinking about that and you watch the game now, I'm not saying, go with the card says, but now you're watching the first four innings and 80 over 80% of the time when it's two, one, he's throwing the change up. That's locked in my head right now saying, okay, this is not, mm -hmm. this is not something that this made up. But on the other side of the coin, we faced Corbin in Washington. And I know the three starts before he was all over the place because yep. I watched his starts. He was walking yep. people and, so this particular night, I guarantee that we went in there saying, okay, make him work. And Kev, the first three or four innings, I think you were doing the game. Yep. He was strike one, strike two. Yep. So right away, I'm going to say, hey, you know what? That game plan, throw it out the window because Corbin is on tonight. He's not all over the place. So that's why the analytics are good, but there's adjustments, man. Guys pitch different sometimes. Maybe their next start is going to be different than their previous start. And that's why if you pay attention to find out what pitches he's getting over and which he's not, it could be completely different than your game plan when you went over how you were going to approach him. Absolutely. You know what? The, the analytics are good. I get it. But they don't define the human element of the game of the adjustment that's made. Nope. And and they, I they, feel like it, it, 
the contingency plans that you don't have, that, that that's the wrong plan. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's got to be a plan A, B, C, and D. When you play because they're not all going to be a, a, a black and white area. There's a lot of gray areas. The score's indicative. Did the guy get a good night's sleep the night before? Does he have extra life on his fastball? Is he just rolling his curveball over? Every game is different. Every inning is different. The score's different. And until we realize that the game, you have to make adjustments every inning, every pitch. And, and you can't just stick to the game plan when a guy's doing completely something completely different than he did two and three starts back. How do you think Joe Girardi uh, feels right now as far as the way his team's playing and trying to, you know, he, look, we're baseball players. We understand. You've managed. Uh, you've been a coach. You've done it. You've done it all in having to defend your player because you don't want to lose him in today's day and age. Like, how do you think he's dealing with this internally? I, I think it's really it's it's really eating him up because he's very competitive, and I've watched his press conferences, and and he's very cautious of what he says. He got in trouble for saying. Uh, saying that that, uh, Harp wasn't available, but he should be in the lineup the next day. I understand all that. But if you really analyze it, he didn't want the other guy to know that Harp wasn't available that night. So, I mean, the the strategy of that comes into play. I think he's done a good job as far as protecting his players. The, the, The only thing that I think sometimes that, not Joe, but other managers might do is just come out one night and say, hey, you know what, we aren't playing very good. But sometimes the fans, especially in this city, they like it when you say, right yeah. now, we are not playing good baseball and we need to fix it right away. Uh, they don't want to hear, uh, hey, we put up a good fight or that pitcher had great stuff. It's the big leagues. Pitchers have great stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, you, and you're paid to go out there and compete and to win games. Let's face it, at this level, we're not trying to develop. We're trying to win. And you got to move that column on the left. And I know Joe. Joe's been very successful managing. And I still think this team is very much alive in this thing because of the what you said earlier, the three t- pitchers at the top have basically kept us in a lot of games. I do think the bullpen at the back end needs to be more consistent. At times they are lights out, and other times they've been very inconsistent. And until we get that consistency to go along with our starting pitching, Uh, everyone's getting caught up because it was only 60 games last year. We still got over a hundred games left. Mm-hmm. So let's let this thing play out. Uh, I'm still not sold on the Mets. Uh, I know Atlanta's not played good up until now. Washington's not played good. So I think this thing's still wide open. Absolutely. hundred percent. Uh, when, when you say, you know, we're here to win ball games, not develop here. Speaking of development, uh, you've been around the minor leagues and, you know, you've seen what we have a little slow start for for our our guys. It seems like um, anything that that's standing out to you as far as the the positives. Well, you know, I think we have some we have some a couple players that uh, that I think are going to continue to progress through the system. Uh, you know, I, I do I still believe in Mickey Moniak. I, you know, I've watched him; he's struggling down there. But people don't understand; he's two years younger than everybody playing in every in every phase of the going through A double A and now. Tri- 
the, the I will say this, and, and, and this is not a knock on anything, but right now the cupboard isn't really full of prospects. Mm-hmm. I think we have some athletes that we need to develop. Uh, and as one of the biggest things for me is the, the philosophy on hitting. There's got to be changes in our hitting approach all the way from AAA down to A ball. But uh, I, I think that, you know, we got a kid named uh, Rojas and Garcia in Clearwater, Florida, uh, that I think are, are, are comers. I do think most of our prospects right now might be in Clearwater. We have a couple in, in Redding that uh, they just moved Stott, who I think is going to be a very good hitter. I went and watched him when he was with the Jersey team, and he was very impressive. He's very selective at the plate. I do think that he might... They might think about changing his position. Not that he doesn't have good hands or anything, but I think he projects to be, you know, he could be a third baseman. Uh, I think this guy's going to be a power hitter. When I say power, as he progresses through the system, I could see him hitting 20 to 30 home runs a year. I like his swing. and uh, But it's not completely bare, but we need to yeah. get more kids that we consider prospects as opposed to organization guys. Well, a guy that hasn't played in a few days, it, uh, he's on the IL is DJ Stewart. And he was actually tearing the cover off the ball. Um, and then you got the Martin kid who was a draft pick last year who uh, I, I, he think can that, run. I think he you can and really I run. are going to probably fall in love with because we love the scrappy guys, but the guy's got some pop, but he strikes out yep. a ton. Yeah, he does. And, and again, you know, I, I, I think what happens is, and, and you, you sort of hit it, the, the mentality, the, the players today are, I don't want to use the word, I don't think they're soft. I, I don't think they're open for suggestions. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to say, I'm going to do it my way. I did it in college. I was successful. But you know what? I agree to a certain extent. When you get a college guy, let him go. Don't try to change things. If he hit 350, if he hit 450, let him play. Now, when he starts hitting 202 or 210, now there's got to be adjustments, but it seems like sometimes in organizations, people want to put their handprint on them before they even see him play. If a guy's been successful, I'm going to leave him alone. I don't care if he's catching ground balls, standing on his head until he starts missing balls. I'm going to leave him alone and let him and let him evolve for us. And now as soon as things go bad, believe me, those guys are going to come migrating back to you and saying, Hey, you know what? Do you see something out there that I'm not doing? Or at the plate, they're going to go to the hitting guy and say, man, I don't know why I can't get to that ball center away. Now you start making adjustments. We always seem, when I say again, I'm not saying the Phillies baseball in general, you have one or two guys that want to put their thumbprint on a guy, let them play, let them learn from their failures and see if they make these adjustments. That's how you're going to find out if a guy's a prospect or not, Kevin. If he can mentally make some adjustments, and because this is a tough game, mentally and physically, but if he can learn how to make adjustments, no one's ever gone through this game ever going, going through, not going through slumps. You're going to go through slumps. I don't care how good you are. It's your ability to come out of those slumps. Yeah, it's funny because we've talked about that with the slumps with Alec Bohm, and uh, he probably has never, not, you know, never not hit in his life. Right. Uh, right. And, and this is not a, a, a pat on my back. I, I was in the minor leagues for a year and a half before I got called up. So if I got up there that quick, there's probably never been a slump I ever had. Right. <laughs> and the first one I right. had was in the big leagues. And man, it is, it feels like an avalanche on you. Like you just, it, it, it just continues to, uh, you know, pile up on you and it's hard to get out of it, but you have to find it. A way. it, it, it you know, I, I remember this story cause it was in Reading. 
and Moniak and Hazley are real good friends. You know, they came up together. And so I was sitting in the dugout before a game, and uh, and Moniak and Hazley were sitting together. I said, what, what do you got? I was talking to Moniak. He said, my goal before this season's over is to get Hazley to throw a helmet down, say a cuss word, or break a bat over something. And uh, and I, I looked at Hayes. You know, he's pretty, pretty low-key individual, oh, yeah. but he likes to play. And he goes, that's not going to happen. And, and Moniak says, oh, yeah, it will. And I looked at, at Moniak and I said, it might not, Nick, because <laughs> this guy's never gone into a slump. He doesn't know what it's like. Yeah. Every game he's played, he's got two hits, three hits. So, you know, as you well know, and as I, and I know, sometimes you got to let that stuff out, whether it's throwing a bat in a tunnel, breaking a helmet in half, swinging with a bat. You got to let it all go. And then when you're done, you're saying, all right, let's go. I'm ready to go. But it's hard to keep that stuff pent in because this game, you don't have a week. It, it, it's the next night. It's the ne- next night. It's the next. And you got to keep turning the page. And those guys that, that have the ability to turn the page are the guys that are going to move through the organization and learn from their mistakes and get to the big leagues. I mean, we all know that these kids have to learn accountability. Well, so does the helmet. Yes. You know, the helmet needs to. <laughs> it's got to be accountable for some things. It's its fault, not our fault. <laughs> oh, I remember I, 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 I tore up a bathroom at the vet one day. I mean, I just demolished it with a bat. And I came out, you know, I got bat? it all out of my system. And Lazinski says, man, those were the best swings you've had in 10 days. <laughs> Well, the best part would have been if you use like if you use Bull's bat. That would have been even better. Oh yeah, no, I, I made sure it was my bat. Believe me. <laughs> oh man, hey Bo, before I let you go, you and Charlie are. Uh, I want to help promote it because well, I don't need to help promote it because you guys can promote <laughs> it yourselves with the uh, just who you are. You and you and Charlie Manuel uh, have a new TV show uh, weekly on NBC uh, Sports Philadelphia. Uh, tell us about it. Well, we, you know, we decided, you know, everyone asks us, why don't you two guys get, get together and do a show? And so we, you know, we've been talking about it a little bit, but we're, tr- we're trying to get it to, to be a show where you're not just sitting at a, in a restaurant or a bar and people asking you questions. We're going different places. Uh, our first show we did downtown. Then we, we have one we did at Ocean City. We're doing a golf one. We're going to have one coming up. I don't want to. Uh, well, you're doing a golf one? Everything. Did you, did you ask we're, me? We're, <laughs> we're having we're, we're we're not done we haven't even started but we're having one where we're going to get two few, uh general managers that were with the phillies and ed wade and ruben amaro and we're going to grill them about how the game is today how would you how would you have handled uh the analytic part of it so we're going to get everybody's perspective we're going to get different athletes so it's going to be different it's not just going to be oh we're going to get a baseball player and i will i guarantee you will be on because we're going to talk about the art of pinch hitting and what it takes to be a good pinch hitter, because as you well know, when you go into the eighth or ninth inning, you're not facing the 92, 93, you're 98, 99. It's usually the setup man or the closer. So we're going to get insight as to why you were successful. It's just same same thing with our general managers, Eddie and, and Ruben, why they were successful when they were general managers and get some uh, insight as the game that's played now and back then. Why do you think you and Charlie work? You know what? That's a great question. I think our personalities, we both, one thing we both like to do, we like to see the Phillies play good and we like to win. But Charlie's from Virginia. I'm from California. That's part of it. That's why I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. And and we sort of, it it happened all the way back in the instructional league in 1968 when we played against each other. And then, of course, Charlie eventually took over for me. You know, to this day, I said, hey, Charlie, you know, go check that record out. Uh, I took a team that lost 100 games like three years in a row, and we were over 500. So I, 
I sort of handed it to you on a silver platter, <laughs> but of course those checks, those checks that John Middleton wrote out, those were those were very important also. So I just wish that my payroll was a little bit higher. But <laughs> it, it was all it was all fun and, and and we have a good time. We go to the games at home and we sit up there in that box and we we talk about strategy. We talk about what a guy's doing right, what he's doing wrong. But it, it's just you know two guys that love baseball that hate to lose and have been successful in Philadelphia and blue collar guys that that blend in here in the city. Very, very easy. But the, my, my, my favorite approach when talking to both of you guys and, and just talking about it in general, you don't hate the game. Like you don't try to despise no. the game and where it's at, no. but you do have a lot of teaching points and I'm glad that you guys get together and talk about it because I mean, like, there's, yeah. I, I, I tell you what I sit in the office and I, what's my favorite <laughs> thing is when you come in and, and, and talk and I just like, I sit there and same thing goes with Chuck. Well, I'm not. I'm not gonna ever gonna hate the game, even though at times I get mad the way it's played. I still love it. I still like tonight they're not playing. I'll watch some games. I have the, the the ticket to watch baseball games. I watched games last night and they didn't play. I just like to watch guys compete. I like to watch the different uh, strategies that different teams have. Uh, I like watching pitchers pitch. So, but I, there's some things that I get upset at. But you know what? The fact that I love it so much and I continue to watch it, even even if I get away from what I'm doing now, I'll always watch baseball. If I have to go to a high school game, I just like baseball, mm-hmm. and it's been my life. I've been very successful in things I've done. I mean, people ask me, what would one thing be that you would do over? Mine would be get a college degree, but I didn't, And I, but I was very lucky. And I'm that's the first thing I point out. Everyone's not going to be lucky you got to have something to fall back on, and that's the only thing that I wish I would have done. Well, when you talk about luck, I mean, it, uh, we're lucky that you join us as much as you do on just anything and everything, and and joining me here on Pine Tower for Breakfast, I I couldn't thank you enough. Well, Kev, I appreciate it, and I love talking baseball with, with people that love talking baseball, and I know you love this oh, game. Yeah. I listen to you on the radio, and you, 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 I mean, you're spot on. You, then they would ask you, what would you look for here? And anyway, I'd look for a breaking ball. Sure enough, next pitch is a breaking ball because you study the game. You've been in the box. You know exactly what pitchers are trying to do. And that helps the, our listening audience. You know, they're saying, I wonder why I'd be looking for a break, but you'd always break it down. And I think that's, that's the fun part of baseball. The different ideas that people bring to the table every single night. You guys do a great job. Look, everyone loves and, and thinks that you know you have to be great in the major leagues to be able to speak about it and talk about it. Like I, I studied hard. I sat next to yeah, so many do. guys in the dugout or watched so many guys from the dugout or on the field, and and it's a part of the game. That's why it, it's like you, you hope these guys have stories going forward. You, you know about a just exactly. instinctual part of baseball because I don't know if they will. Well, I, I get your text when you're <laughs> doing the game, so. and, and you're and, and you're spot on ninety nine percent of the time. So. Oh man! But I, I agree with you. I, I mean, we both love the game, and we want we want the Phillies in particular to start playing better. And I really believe this last game is like going to be a, a a starting point for us. The new month, uh, we got seventeen runs. And we took a deep breath, and we're going to be playing some teams that we have to beat right now coming up. I couldn't agree more, and I appreciate you coming on, Pintar, for breakfast. Bo, you're the man. All right, Kev, you take care, and I'll see you at uh, at, uh, at the ballpark tomorrow. Can't wait. So refreshing every time to hear from Larry Boa, one of my favorites, one of my favorite baseball people to be around. Uh, and it's not even close. Um, the knowledge, the the 
ah, man, just the accountability, just the, the the love and the passion for the game he has. Uh, and uh, I am I I am front row seat for Charlie Manuel and Larry Boa's show. Let's just be honest here, because you're going to learn a lot. It's not one that you're just going to sit there and be like, well, oh, there's two old guys. No, they just they know the game. They know where it's at. They know how it's been. Uh, they know where it's been in the perfect mesh of of uh entertainment and and talent and and craziness it's just it, it's a beautiful thing so i appreciate you guys in taking the time listening to larry boa right here on pine tar for breakfast till next time hey kevin france is out of here